Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. London is Blue. <laughs> and welcome back, Chelsea fans, to yet another episode of your favorite London is Blue podcast covering all things that make London blue. Nick and Dan here with me, Brandon joining you as well. Um, the goal today, Nick, is to just make analogies of how everything is blue in London. If we just keep repeating that, uh, I think that'll be a success. Yeah, it's, it's the rare opportunity um, to get to uh, smack down both Tottenham and Arsenal in one week, uh, which is, is just glorious. To go up to North London twice uh, ransack the place, paint it blue, Dan, and uh, and leave unscathed. And the better part of that story is there may be two additional times we get to do that this season at a minimum. And that makes it even sweeter because now we're haunting their dreams. We're making, they're going to have night terrors. It's just wonderful. It's absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, to help round this out, we're bringing in a new voice for this episode. And what an exciting time. We've got James here. Uh, we met James over in our time in Boston, uh, got to to shake hands and make new friends. And so, uh, James, I guess just real quick, uh, let you let you introduce yourself to the fans. But again, welcome, making your debut. How exciting. I am so pumped. Um, I am a political reporter at the Boston Globe. I largely cover the presidential race. This is my sixth presidential race. Been a Chelsea fan uh, since high school. Uh, Really got back into them, of course, when NBC picked up the contract. 
when you have a young kids, uh, it's very great to the, <laughs> on the East Coast that they are at breakfast time uh, and the wife appreciates it because she gets to sleep in. Uh, but I have been quite devoted and I've been a fan of the podcast uh, for a while. Uh, it's something I do when um, you know, you're just washing dishes or driving on a campaign trail, actually, uh, following these campaigns around. So met you know, every president going back to, I think, HW and interviewed them all interview all these folks running for president uh, several times. My forte is Iowa and New Hampshire in particular, which are coming up. So it's going to be my busy season, but uh, obviously very happy with what happened today in the Arsenal game. Oh, uh, you're, you're speaking to my heart, James. I'm an <laughs> Iowa boy, as you probably know. So yes. uh, yeah, we get to be famous once every four years. <laughs> I, went to, uh, I went to college in Des Moines because of the Iowa caucuses. So all right. Probably Drake. I went to Drake and then uh, moved to New Hampshire without a, without knowing the soul because it was the New Hampshire primary <laughs> and I got offered a job. And so obviously I was going to do that. And that was in 2002. So that's where I've been ever since. Easy enough. Well, I won't bore everyone with uh, our Iowa stories and going way back, but uh, <laughs> we've got plenty. I can promise you. So yep. anyways, uh, look, today is going to be a great pod. James, we're super excited to have you on as well. Um, but Nick, let's go ahead and uh, get in some things, starting with the theme of what we're going to run through today. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think anyone who watched this game will know is is a bit chaotic. is is a bit rough and tumble. Um, the overall theme of today's show is uh, chaos FC, but but Dan added chaos is a ladder FC, which I which I love <laughs> um, as a Game of Thrones head myself. Uh, yeah, it was just you know it, in a in a match, Dan, where you know so many things were happening, and it was it was chaotic and and difficult to kind of navigate. Uh, Chelsea used that as an opportunity to uh, to boost themselves up, and Arsenal used it as an opportunity to crumble, per usual. Well, it was the type of epic fight that deserves some type of ballad or from a bard to be sung at the end of it to tell future generations about the last goal the decade scored by none other Tammy Abraham against the weakening foe in Arsenal captained under diet pep Michael Arteta so yeah <laughs> it's all good it's good stuff it's going to be exciting i'm i'm still absolutely jacked and this match happened over 14 hours ago now so yeah yeah we're in a good spot all right well no knee jerk reactions today i guess that's what dan is is promising uh, but we are going to cover a few things. So in this episode, we are going to talk about Chelsea's last fixture of 2019. And obviously, everything's about the decade in review. So uh, we can always talk about that regular coincidence we had with, with Arsenal. Uh, we will take a look at how wrong it went initially for Chelsea and company. Boy, oh boy, we were not uh, exchanging pleasantries in our text message at the beginning of that match and then uh talk about the steps and the gambles that Lampard took that came good and saw us take all three points so teeing up the episode now on to uh, our time to say thank you to those of you who have supported us with an apple podcast review dan tee him up yeah we had pardeep who gave us a wonderful five-star review talking about just the fact that we go through every facet of the game played mixed with some nice ancillary topics always looking forward to new releases so we appreciate that five-star review on apple podcasts drop another five-star review between now and the next match brighton coming up maybe tell us about 
you know, the best thing that you've got as a gift, maybe this holiday season, or talk about what you're going to be doing uh, for New Year's, or maybe mm-hmm. a New Year's resolution, so that we can read those out in the next episode after you leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. I love it. And then on Patreon, we have some exciting news. Obviously, thank you to everyone who supports us financially. You are all amazing. Um, we are going to be coming out with some new rewards. So we have a an amazing metal badge or maybe uh, all of you in the united states would consider it a pin um but the locals over there in the uk we've learned to call them badges so we will be having a london is blue podcast badge as a reward uh photos will be coming out soon release the design and everything but we just want to tee that up in case you've been thinking about it or waiting for a good time uh we will have a limited set for a new round of patreon which is really really exciting and then lastly nick uh, our Chelsea DNA series. It's still alive. Still, we're, boy, are we getting close. <laughs> it's almost fully grown. You just, yeah. it, it grows with time. Oh, man. Uh, so so we're super pumped. Uh, we'll have content coming at you starting on, on Tuesday and then flowing through kind of the first week of the new year. Interviews with Bobby Tambling, Mason Mount, Fakaya Tamori, and Aaron Cuthbert of the Chelsea women's team. Uh, we are super pumped. Hopefully releasing a trailer soon. Hopefully have some slick-looking graphics and social media for you. Uh, but you know where to find the interviews. You can find them on uh, audio, uh, on our podcast feed, and then we'll have YouTube videos for uh, Mason, Fakayo, and Aaron uh, as well. So excited to get that out there. Please go uh, listen to those. Go watch them. Let us know how we did. We uh, We tried to make this... Brandon, interesting, tie back into Chelsea's lineage and and really show what the DNA of the club is. I bet you're going to like it. So uh, anyways, it is good to see Mason Mount sitting down to do interviews after all. So uh, lastly, uh, we have some scarves still available. So just a, a last plug for all of you looking to get a scarf, $20 for the U.S., $25 for anywhere else outside of the United States. PayPal us at contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. Uh, we are starting to get lower in inventory. So uh, if you didn't get it for Christmas, now is the chance to make up for that missed opportunity. Just reach out to us. We'll get the information to you. But now is the time for the match review. It was Arsenal in the Premier League at the Emirates. And it was this past Sunday, December 29th, 2019. Chelsea's last fixture of the year, of the decade, of the millennia. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll end it at decade. Uh, in case you missed it, Arsenal won 13th minute. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang caught Emerson sleeping about. Don't, don't let me say it. We'll run the tape. Here we go. Jake, run it. Well, Arsenal first do it. And there's Aubameyang to turn it in from six yards out. But there's no contact with the header there. And Emerson fast asleep at the far post. No chance for Kepa. All right. And then... A paltry 70 minutes later and a lot of drama, Jorginho, thanks to Leno, tap, tap, tapity tap in in the 83rd minute. <laughs> oh, totally missed by Leno and Jorginho turns it in for 1-1. A huge mistake from the Arsenal goalkeeper. A lifeline has been given to us. Can we get another? And then lastly, Tammy Abraham. Game-winning goal, 87th minute. Now Chelsea can look to break. Here's Abraham. Mount and William up in support. Williams on. Real opportunity here. Tammy Abraham, can he get the pass right? He's found William. Heavy touches taken him wide. Cut back for Abraham. Can he get the yeah! shot off? Oh, yes, he can. And Chelsea have turned it round. Good first touch. Sets up the next one. 
and Leno just leaves his legs wide open. My, oh my, what kind of a state were you in, James, when Tammy Abraham buries the winner right in the 87th minute as the match is coming to an end? I was amazed. I mean, uh, I, we, we can talk about this. I know there's a lot of trash talking on Willian. I love him. Um, uh, but his obviously his first touch was very, very, very heavy. I thought the play was going to totally fall apart. I thought Abraham with, with the settle was like, this is a one touch play, but he settled it. They nutmegged. I was just shocked and elated. I was like, oh my God, this, you felt like another goal was going to happen. In fact, in fact, you felt ever since the substitution was made, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, uh, that things could happen in the positive direction. But as that clock was ticking down, <laughs> even when Jorginho tapped it in, I'm like, uh, I guess, I guess we'll be happy with a tie. I mean, <laughs> but man, it was, uh, it was pure elation when that when that ball went went through. Nick, I'm sure, I'm sure you were very controlled and mild mannered. That's right. Uh, as you know, I don't like to get too exuberant with any of my celebrations. Um, yeah, I mean, I I punched a wall, is what I did. <laughs> um, How's that I, hand? It's it's fine. More um, like how's that wall? The wall. Yeah, you yeah. should you should see the wall. Um, no, I I mean I I was I think the amount of elation that I had was quickly dampened by the thought of having to defend that lead for another thirteen or fourteen minutes because of all the stoppage, and I like I went from like oh my god I can't believe we came back to like. If we if we get scored on now, that will feel like a, a a draw that felt like a loss, you know. So it to me, I was just like super in the moment, so excited, so proud of Tammy, and then Dan uh, quickly switched my mind to defend, and and much like Georgina was pointing at players to get back <laughs> behind the ball. I don't know how well pointing across the screen and through multiple thousands of they models know. how effective they it listen. is. But they listen to me. Okay. Clearly, they clearly they do. Uh, it was great. It was. I, I did a little bit of jumping up and down. I was super thrilled, and you know, to, for it to be Tammy, for it to be a London Derby, for it to be the the Drogba style celebration. Look, old nightmare, meet new nightmare. And we, we've just cemented potentially another decade of having a poacher, having a wonderful finisher up top who is just going to terrorize the opposition on the other part of London or in the other part of London. So, yeah, not not disappointed in the least. This is the best possible outcome. And you know what? It really, really sucked losing Southampton earlier in the week. But this this and the Tottenham result. Make up for go a there? lot of really, really. I uh, know uh, context. Well, come like, on, man. No, this result and the Arsenal result make up for a lot of really shitty results that we've had against some terrible teams. So this and the Tottenham result, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- this okay. and the Tottenham result. All right. Well, let's let's get into the weeds a bit, boys. Hey, eh? so Dano, I'm gonna need a lineup from you. What the hell did we start with? <laughs> okay. Well, funny enough. We might have been asking similar questions. Kepa Rithavlaga started in goal with uh, Tomori, Zuma, and Rudiger as our back three. We did see Emerson, Kovacic, Conte, Aspilicueta, then William Mount, and Tammy Abraham. So it kind of lined up as a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-4-3. That's what we kind of saw initially. Was some shifting. Uh, you know, there was some questions around the fact that Alonzo wasn't available, Reese James wasn't in the lineup, you know, Pulisic wasn't in the lineup, all not available due to some type of injury, whether it be ankle, hamstring, or another knock. 
Andreas Christensen, Ross Barkley, Willie Caballero, Mishi Batshuayi, all unused substitutes. We did see appearances from Jorginho, uh, Tarek Lampetit making a debut, little debutante moment there for him, and Calum Hudson-Odoi coming back on the heels of a little bit of a challenging performance and coming good in this one, Nick. So, you know, I know we had lots of questions about that lineup heading into the match with kind of some of those injury question marks, but it seemed like with what we had available, this was the lineup that made sense kind of with the context of those injuries. Yeah. I mean, good luck if you're Frank right now, uh, trying to keep people healthy, trying to rotate people, uh, James, trying to, you know, trying to keep anyone happy in this team right now. It's just, it seems like a, um, a pretty big challenge for him, right? Yes. Uh, you know, one thing that is actually quite similar with my world of reporting and, and how this game played out, I was thinking about this, uh, ahead of the podcast was that, you know, much of my world is about the expectations game. Uh, who needs the win more than others, particularly as this process begins in Iowa, New Hampshire, you go on to super Tuesday they spent all their time spitting that third place really mattered, that fourth place was important, that their near win mattered. And I was watching this game, particularly at the beginning, and you're like, you know, this, this is, expectations means a lot to both of these clubs. Uh, for, clearly for Chelsea, it was such an inconsistent season. We are learning so much, and we're learning on the fly, as, as the coach uh, taught us today. Um, but obviously a very important match for expectation setting for a new coach on the other side. Um, but for Frank, I mean, there's no, I, it took a lot of uh, guts, I think, to make the call he did, though I think it was quite obvious that something had to be done um, in the 35th minute. But, um, but boy, he, he really does have to tamp a lot of expectations. It, it's Chelsea, it's, it's Frank, he's special. Um, we're obviously we're giving some leeway here, but uh, there, there's a lot riding on him right now, and clearly he knows it. Well, and you know he's not even playing the full deck, right? So he's got Correct. Marcus Alonso, Reese James, Pulisic all out with injuries of varying degrees. And I was thinking several times that Pulisic would have been so helpful today, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, our bench, especially compared to Arsenal's, is way better, but we know that we have a better team that we could have gone with. So um, obviously that, that was something. I mean, I think that you'd assume that Tariq, when Tarek going into this, he was just filling a spot on the bench, right? You're like, well, he's not going to be the first name called. And then the first 20 minutes happen and we're like, oh yeah, we're doing this. Okay. All right. Well, um, guess it's time to make changes and obviously Tarek came in later in the match and and made an impact so kind of interesting but this lineup I mean it it spoke a lot about how Frank thinks about his side I think he's used it not only consistently recently but he's used it in the big in air quotes big matches I it didn't work though I I go back to if you guys look at formation stuff that was very specific for Tottenham. I just, when I, you knew that Arsenal were going to have at least, you know, I, I assumed three in the middle, right? Which it could flex to a, a five. I knew we we're going to be so madly outnumbered in the midfield that that was going to be a problem. And it was. Uh, like, Nick, do you have any concerns with us playing three at the back in general? Or is it just when do we play three at the back? Yeah, it's it's totally situational. Um, I I thought it was I thought it was a fool's errand today because uh, it's not like Lacazette has been on fire this year. Um, Obama Yang, who's their I think clearly their best player, 
um, and, and probably their best left back as well <laughs> without much defending he did today, uh, was played out wide. So, so unless you basically man marked him with Dave, um, it just wasn't going to work. And uh, I tweeted out in the seventh or eighth minute that we needed to pull someone off and go three in the midfield, um, for, you know, some pretty obvious reasons that came to fruition later, but then also Dan, because to me, the way that we've beaten Arsenal the last few times, and especially if you look back to the Europa League final, um, we dominated the midfield, basically gave them no time on the ball, gave no uh, service in. And uh, once we made that change today, it was obvious that they have some major deficiencies that they couldn't overcome. That's exactly it. I mean, you look at the fact that we need to become really good. You know, we need to be really good in the paint basketball style and like just be picking up every possible rebound and dominating possession, which we didn't do for the first 35 minutes. We got dispossessed regularly. We gave the ball away cheaply. We put ourselves in positions where we weren't able to match personnel for personnel based upon the formation. We saw Emerson really struggling. Aspilicueta both, both really got pinned in. I think we'll go into that a little bit further in just a moment, but Arteta had an idea of how to play us, knowing that if he saw the 3-4-3, that it was really about just isolating Aspie, isolating Emerson, and not allowing them to be comfortable at the ball at any point. And then you're really relying upon Kovacic and Conte to be your complete outlet with our center backs, who have not shown this season that they are the a good enough a distributor of the ball to be able to help us attack effectively. So yeah, I, I think... Yeah, that is why, Brandon, when we kind of look at, you know, situationally to the point that Nick made, it is a situation and situation thing. But I felt much better when we diverted or, you know, put it back to a back four versus that that three, at least in this match. It made a lot more sense to me. Well, and, and really quick, like uh, to me, the reason we played a back three against uh, against Spurs and why it was so effective is because Zuma was able to push out. And, and cut off space um, against Deli Ali, who was who was kind of floating in that number 10 role, Brandon. So, uh, you know, without that, you know, without Ozil being a real threat in this game, there, there really wasn't a point to that. And then Dan's point about distribution. I mean, our, our center backs couldn't complete a pass in the first half, um, which is, is definitely not the way to link up play to a, to a midfield, too. So lots of problems that got remedied with one player. Look, I mean, we, we definitely have a lot to get into, um, but our required Kaylee graphics here, the XG map for Arsenal, Chelsea. Look, Arsenal 0.7, Chelsea 1.8. The result stands as official because the stat gods have said it. So... First talking point here is that this was supposed to be a bounce back after losing embarrassingly at a home to Southampton midweek, but Chelsea's lackluster start gave Arsenal an early lead through an Aubameyang goal. So let's talk about why the Blues struggled in the early part of the match. I mean, James, what kind of stood out to you of something that maybe just wasn't working? What was frustrating you the most? Uh, possession of the ball. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just pure possession of the ball. Um uh, Mount was irrelevant. Uh, I felt in the beginning, um, uh, David Louise looked amazing at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, uh, just pretty much our entire top line was just completely irrelevant. Like you mentioned Deli Alley in that Tottenham game. He just totally, I forgot he was even on the field. Um, and obviously just so frustrated with Emerson <laughs> and a few others in the back that just clearly were not. Uh, getting it done. Yeah, I think we definitely saw that, uh, you know, 
there was a lot of calls last season for Emerson to to get more starts and to get more appearances and, and things of this nature. I mean, I think we've talked about the left pack position for probably longer than most teams talk about the left pack position, uh, but becomes, I think, more and more evident now, Nick, after multiple matches that Emerson is, I think, very good as a maybe filler or a squad player. I don't know if I would trust him as we kind of move forward into our first opportunity to sign new players in January and sign new players in the summer as looking at him as a long-term solution within our, our left back or within our defense setup. Two months ago, he was a locked on starter. All problems solved. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I think the irony of this, of this game is that like as a left back, as a pure left back, he's, he's better than Alonzo, but as a left winger, I, I don't think it's remotely close. Um, at least on, on recent form. Um, the fact remains, though, and I think we probably all agree on this, that Dave is our best left back, period. End of statement, uh, at least defensively. Uh, I know that he doesn't have a great left foot. He can't whip in crosses, and, and perhaps that's something we'll address in either transfer window coming up. But uh, when he was able to get, you know, kind of his positioning, it, he did shut down. I think it was Reese Nelson, who, who was having a pretty good first half, um, and then really um, used you know the Tomori and uh, Lamptey uh, combination to at least shut down a little bit of passage to uh, Aubameyang. So I mean that's where the the defensive shift happened, Brandon. And and I think as we looked at you know not only linking up the play, controlling possession, and all the things offensively, those two defensive moments were were really um, crucial because they were having a run at us, uh, for the first 30 minutes. Yeah. The defense is all over the place. Uh, he Lampard had switched mountain William on different sides. So maybe, you know, Mount would have tracked back on Emerson's side a little bit more. Um, uh, Fick was not having a good day out either. Um, obviously what, which is why, you know, he was probably subbed later on. It just there's a lot of things. Even Zuma looked rattled. Rudiger looked fine, but there's a lot of pace coming at those back three center backs. And I kind of put this in our text at one point. There was way, way, way too many situations where it was three on three. Like if we have five defenders, that's never supposed to be this situation. But what would happen is that Kovacic and Conte would press at half halfway, and Arsenal would beat it because Otsel could sit between the lines, and then they'd pushed up. Uh, you know, I th- yeah, I th- Reese Nelson, I think on the on the one wing yeah. and 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 Aubameyang on the other, and all of a sudden it was like three on three, four on three in their favor, and no one could step because they didn't know what to do. I mean, how many times did they cross it in the box, James? And they had open man or men in our own box. It was it was bad. It was totally bad. Uh, <laughs> I think nothing really to offer that's unique on that. It was just endlessly, it was, so, you know, that again, the substitution, it was just night and day. I'm not sure I can come up with a comparison match to where, how the game just shifted so much on one substitution. I'm trying to think what that would be, but man, it was night and day. Yeah. The, the post game interview on NBC uh, were, you know, it was Tammy and Jorginho, um, you know, obviously the the match winners. And the first thing that Tammy said was, you know, this man, Jorginho, changed the entire game. He was yelling at us. He was making sure that we had the right mentality. He was pointing different positional things out. 
Uh, and and it, it just sounded full of admiration, Dan, and, and something that, you know, obviously we'll get into how he changed the game here, but like, to me, it was just, it sounded grateful almost that, that he was able to come on and do such a great job. He changed the game by helping Craig Pawson rewrite the rule book. So it actually takes three cautions to get sent off. It's amazing. <laughs> Brand new rule. Even better than VAR and the inclusion of VAR in the Premier League in the 2019-2020 season. The third yellow card to red card rule. But yeah, I think the other pivotal moment before we maybe talk about just how the Jorginho substitution happened was the fact that maybe to make us feel a little bit better because I think we were the aggrieved fan base in the first half, uh, half was watching Genduzi challenge Abraham right in the line of the box, pull his arm back, Abraham goes down. Anywhere else on the pitch, Brandon, it's probably a yellow card. So the fact that we don't have a sending off, we don't have a penalty, feels like a little bit of a unfortunate application of the technological advantages of being able to review a play for the accuracy of judging it yeah i mean we got away with that at tottenham you're not going to keep getting it week in week out it i mean it's a little soft and while at first i thought that william had already taken his terrible big touch that ended up working in the 87th minute um I was like, oh, it's kind of like in the NFL, like if it's uncatchable, then like the penalties don't really work the same way because they never would have caught it anyways. I was like, well, maybe he's like thinking about that. He's like, oh, well, William already essentially kicked it out of bounds. He was never, the ball is never going to get to Tammy. But like after watching again, like he pulled Tammy down way early. Um, and so the problem with that is you never know. But since it all fizzled out, I'm sure Possum's just like, well, it didn't work out anyway, so it didn't matter. Also, that's probably not what he thought because that's logic and he probably wasn't thinking really like that. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, but I would have thought it would have been pretty harsh if that would have been his second sending off. And um, yeah, obviously I would have celebrated it damn hard. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. it would have it would have changed the game completely. I mean, it for it to be that early on and and potentially to be down to 10 men again, um, you know, we would, uh, you, you imagine that we would have done something a little bit different. It all worked out. Um, and, and I think, you know, as, as maybe we, we address Jorginho's luck, um, perhaps Dan, that, that might've crossed Pawson's mind, um, even, even briefly, um, as he then yellow carded Lacazette, but, um, you know, the fact that the, here's, here's the overall thing Nick, here. It, 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 it's foolish, though, to try to question or try to write the narrative for what goes through Pawson's mind. You know, we yeah, should I just know. allow that to be an infinite box of mysteries that we don't try to to open because much like the Ark of the Covenant, it would melt your face off. He, he is so good, I think, is the problem. Um, I just say know, one more my, thing. This is James. One more yeah. thing about this moment. You know, in, in politics, there's all the analytics, there's all the, you know, red state, blue state, but sometimes this comes down to a very big moment. Uh, someone makes a big gaffe. There's a, you know, there's a big story that comes along this particular moment. I, I do think the foul was outside of the box. Had it been inside the box? Um, think about that. Uh, it would have been a one, one game with a penalty and 10 men and kind of early in the game, it would have been such an amazing game changer. 
Yeah. However, and, and a little, however harsh it would have been, I agree with right, you. Yeah. Harsh, but I mean, so it's so, so, so a small moment that would have been ginormous that we don't talk about now. It, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. The, the, the fact of the matter is, you looked at this game. It was a hard tackling, physical altercation. Neither team likes each other. A bunch of yellow cards. You know, we probably could have had two sending offs, maybe three, if Louise's ridiculous challenge on on Angolo Conte was. Uh, was given for for reckless um, you know play. I mean, it, Brandon, it was just it was a tough game. I I don't envy anyone having to referee that, but it it was uh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, it obviously led to the Jorginho substitution around the 34th minute, and uh, you know, look, Frank even said after the match he could have made that sub after 10 minutes, but he's he was hoping that you know some of his players would have grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, and it didn't happen. So he had, as he said, send a message without yelling from the touchline. And that's exactly what he did. So uh, off came Emerson um, and on came Jorginho. And we moved into a 4-3-3. Uh, Aspie on the left, um, Vic out on the right with Zuma and uh, Rudiger as your center backs. Um, you know, it was interesting, I guess, kind of seeing it slowly play out, right? Because the team has to reshuffle. They have to resettle. And then, obviously, Dan, it takes a while to see, well, how do Arsenal react to it? And where are the space? And where do we find time on the ball? And, and man, Jorginho went deep in that. I and mean, he would go between the center backs and get it. But it's all about maintaining position. I mean, I'm sure that's the only thing that Jody Morse is telling was like, go get the damn ball and hold on to it. Yeah, we want the ball and we're going to score. And it's the mentality of that. If you have possession, you have all the opportunity and the possibility versus allowing the other team to have position, the possession, potentially break on the counter, potentially put us at, you know, pin us back again. And, you know, from this point, you know, we started to grow into the end of that second half. And, you know, Jorginho was bodying up players. He was, was pulling them back. He was making runs that, again, he is not the most athletic player that we have, James, by any mile. But I think, I feel like his physicality, the way he was playing, the way he was put, you know, pointing and directing, I think that really infused the side from that moment onward. And that, that you talk about those big moments that change things. I think without that sub at that time, you know, we don't get the, the results. And so credit to Frank for, you know, being willing to roll the dice early in the game to try to make something happen and manufacture a win versus accepting either a loss or a draw. Yeah, it was, uh, this is really, really bad at <laughs> the beginning. Then it was substitution. Okay, good. Uh, I'm, I'm mad at Emerson at the moment. I don't know what this means, but I mean, at least we're doing something. And then about, it wasn't long, I don't know for you guys, but it was about probably five, 10 minutes, probably five minutes actually later, wow, um, maybe I can believe. Maybe we can get an equalizer. <laughs> it was that dramatic. Well, I mean, it, it's a huge, Brandon, I think it's a huge uh, point of emphasis, right? Because after Southampton, you know, you think about some of the conversations had around, you know, Frank getting the tactics wrong or getting the team selection wrong or all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, we, Dan and I talked about this a little bit, which was, you know, yes, you know, there have been times this year where, where he's got it wrong. There have also been just really poor performances across the pitch. And there's always so much he can do to change the game uh, from from the touchline. So uh, what he did today was super aggressive. It's, you know, it's never great if you're a player to come off before halftime um, because it's 
because it's that bad. And he made a few huge calls to turn this thing around today. And I think shut up some of the haters, some of the um, people who were questioning his his tactical or, or man management acumen uh, after some of these these poor performances because the you know the ensuing result was the team spirit picked up, possession picked up, the quality of football picked up, and I think it was just an acknowledgement uh, from him that he might have got it wrong and he was going to do everything he could to fix it. I mean, I'm sure he'll say that the attitude of the players are wrong, not not his formation or his game plan. You know, you gotta you gotta protect yourself a little bit when you're in the limelight all the time. But look, Jorginho is massive. Uh, as we look at some of these stats, uh, six interceptions was the most by any player on the pitch, and he didn't even play the full game. And he's the only player on the pitch to complete 100% of his long passes, five or five accurate. Because my oh my, again, our center backs can't play a long pass to save their life. Uh, stick to what you're good at, and we shouldn't have put them in a situation, you know, to to have to do that. And that's what Arsenal wanted. They wanted our center backs on the ball, and Chelsea had to do something to get our midfielders on it, and and what we did worked, thankfully. I saw another stat. I don't know if it's true, but essentially Chelsea had like, I don't know, maybe 50% possession the first 15 minutes, and then it went up to 60, and then higher and higher as the game went on. And it was all essentially like in correlation to Jorginho being on the pitch, which brings me to another point. Daniel, about maybe Jorginho not being on the pitch the entire match. Would you mean that when Jorginho came on the pitch, we really didn't necessarily have that much more of the ball at times, maybe outside of that 61st to 75th minute when it was jumped up to 68% possession, which was our highest spell of the match. But yeah, I think it was also about him stabilizing other players around him. So I think it was, you know, Conte looked better when you know he came on um that was a nice thing to see you know mount looked better william looked better i mean he actually i think did the hard to do thing which is that he actually made the performances of other players better nick like he stretched their ability to be impactful because we weren't cheaply giving the ball away we were able to put in positions that was forcing arsenal really to not make it into our third of the pitch. And that in turn gave us the opportunity to try to continue to find a way to break down their attack. And and it really, when Chambers went off for Arsenal, that was a big, big change for them to have to bring Mustafi in. And that was another moment that we started to take advantage of too. Definitely. I mean, I, I think the, the nine day difference linking up, you know, the defense with the midfield him orchestrating where players needed to be on the pitch kind of looked like the beginning part of last year. If you remember kind of the early sorry days where, you know, he was the only one who knew what the hell was going on <laughs> and, and was, you know, kind of orchestrating everything from the, from the uh, defensive midfield position or the Regista role that people hate so much. But um, it, it was, it was impressive James because to me and it, it you know, you look at the other performances on the pitch that time, and Golo had a really poor game by his standards. Mm-hmm. Kovacic wasn't able to break the lines. You know, Mason, as you said earlier, was ineffective. All of these things, and he had to come in and try and uh, glue everything back together, as it were. And, and how he, I mean, this is the, I mean, Jorginho, obviously, what's amazing, right, is he's brought in under Sari, and then it was supposed to be this whole system where he was. He had some great matches under Sari, but this was clearly one of his best matches I think he's ever had with the Blues. Fair. I look I, w- because of the 
size of the impact, I think that that argument can be made, James, right? That like he, the team were drowning without him. They kind of, he came on and we became dominant. But there's also something else that I think we can take as a factor because, you know, I, I know the Jorginho potential sending off is in the second half, but if we peel it back to halftime, Matt Law had a tasty article after this match talking about Chelsea players ripping into each other during a stormy halftime inquest. Uh, Lamp said he he said what he had to say in a very direct statement. Essentially, Nick saying, we're Chelsea. You show up here at the Emirates and you you do something. You've got 3,000 fans that traveled. Show them that you care. And then he said he just let the wolves at each other. And he said he <laughs> loved that he has strong characters in the dressing room. Um, look, you're a passionate guy. I can only imagine how big of a smile this put on your face after you read it. Yeah, man. I mean, this is, these are all alpha type professional athletes. Like you would hope that they weren't just sitting in there quietly, you know, having a cup of tea, you know, I think you could probably imagine some of the culprits who were yelling and screaming at each other. You would imagine that Rudiger was probably heavily involved mm-hmm. in the in the theatrics. You can probably imagine that Dave was was involved. You could probably, you know, I my guess was that Tammy was probably heavily involved in this, um, and and so on and so forth. Dan, like I this this made a lot of sense after the game when when this report came out, but. I was praying that something was going to give a, a lightning bolt of energy and passion and aggression to, to a team that was lackadaisical for the most part of the first half. And I love that they went at each other mm-hmm. and aired out some of these grievances around the Festivus pole, as it were. <laughs> uh, look, I, I love it. I just want them to bottle up whatever that that magic elixir is that they manufacture in a halftime when they're down to an Arsenal or struggling against the Spurs team or playing against a Man City or a Liverpool and save that for when we're playing some really, really awful teams and like just inhale <laughs> it at the start of a match so we don't have those type of moments or we don't need to have these type of half times as frequently where we're down because this is the first time all season that we have picked up points from a losing position where we've won a match from a losing position in the Premier League which is ridiculous that we're talking about this right at the tail end of the year on December 29th, that this is the first time that this has happened. So yes, I'm glad we're here. Yes. And I'm happy that they were able to go at each other. I mean, we saw a little bit of that in the tunnel before they came back out to the half. They were still debriefing what was going on as uh, as Matt Law said in his article, there was a little bit of it on the pitch still happening between Tamori and Zuma as they got out to the field so, yes, it's great. It's wonderful. I'm glad it's happening. But, James, I, I just want them to find a way to replicate this and be able to produce this type of energy and enthusiasm for every one of the 38 matches in the Premier League season, not just, you know, when we go down. This is going to be very snarky, but I, I was listening to you. I was totally glued in. I'm like, you know what? It could be Arsenal fans. <laughs> Good thing we had a choice. It was... In you know, you know, I was like, you know, for all of this, and I like, I agree with everything you said. It could be, uh, 
It could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> we could. Uh, you know, we, just, we just need a few more Bloods and Fams in there to, to really make it an Arsenal production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know they already have videos out that they're they're already talking smack to Arteta, and he's been there a, a week. In nine days. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> or ten days so, today. Mass, yeah. Massive player for them. Ben, you know, a student of Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Let's go ahead and run this train out of town because uh, – Whatever they've got on third has got to be better than this. So (laughs) wait and see if that (laughs) thing burns down. But we are going to take a quick break. Thank you to the sponsor, Financially Supporting the Show. Again, as we come back, this is going to be the Tarek Show. Lamptey all the way. And then maybe even a Dana match poll. We'll see. All right. Be right back. All right. And just like that, let us address, okay, the 59th minute. Lamptey for Tamori. Lampard's comments right away about Tarek, about his performance. And you've got you've got just big takeaways. He literally turned to Jody and said, is he up for it? And Jody said, he is. And the rest is history, Dan. Well, we find out that he was on his Christmas break when he gets the call up to be in this match because we have injuries to Reese James. We have injuries to Alonzo. We have Aspi who plays 100 minutes, who's also under injury at the same time. So he comes in. Maybe he was, was sipping some nog. Maybe he was having some of that delicious uh, ba- homemade Baileys that Nick Verlaney sends in this care package to all the players. That's And right. gets the call from Frank, says, hey, I need you. You're coming to the lineup. Maybe not even anticipating that he's going to get the chance to actually make an impact in the match. But lo and behold, gets called in. And boy, oh boy. I don't know about you, James. A, I'm always excited when a young, talented player from our academy gets their chance to come in for the first team. Love it when it's in a big game like this, and then also love it when they can make an impact. But he found ways to press forward that made it very, very difficult for the right side of Arsenal to really find any foothold in trying to come back after we started making our runs forward. That's right. I had two points. One, my God, he's small for someone in the back. And and second, my God, he's good. Uh, he's really good. Uh, he did not uh, from the very, from his first touch to others. I mean, he had total confidence. Um, it was very impressive today. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, we, we got to see him play when we when we were at the uh, the Grimsby Town match in September, and he was actually moved up to right wing that day because mm. um, because Reese was was having a. A start at right back was as he was kind of getting fit again and that was kind of our our takeaway at the time was like holy shit this this kid is quick and he he dribbles well and i think he he kind of knows where he wants to put you know put every pass i don't know if he's as good of a crosser as reese is you know i, th- I leave that to be determined but uh he made a huge impact i mean clearly you know it, it's it's a hard thing for tamori brandon to to be on the on the left side of a of a center back three and then transition over to right back even though he has experience playing there and and kind of readjust his brain to do all the things that a right back would do um and you know just in general was kind of struggling there but uh to bring in a, a kid uh, like Lamptey who is able to uh just I think be dynamic uh was lightning quick to track back was was getting involved and in, in passing the ball to William effectively and, and Golo Conte effectively um, was a joy to see. And I think he just deserves a, a ton of credit for uh, for being kind of 
uh, trotted out there in the middle of, of Chaos FC and just doing a great job. Yeah, but wait until you see his stats. It won't be that impressive. He only had 100% pass completion, won 75% of his four duels, and only had one key pass, two tackles, and three times he won possession. Other than mm. that, what <laughs> did he better. do? <laughs> it would have been better. Um, yeah, it look, it's uh, a great day out. I mean, he had a great pass to Tammy. Saka was way less of a threat after this. Um, these changes really pinned Arsenal back. And and then even bring in, you know, I, I don't want to breeze over uh, Lamptey, but, you know, even 70th minute, Hudson-Odoi for Kovacic. You know, now you go to 4-3-3, Mount drops into midfield. Like, Hudson-Odoi looked good out on the wing, running at people. Um, he had his, someone hit a way long ball over the top, and he, you know, backside of the foot, drop, you know, drops it to Kovacic. He just, he injected something into this game as well. And... I just thought that overall, James, it, it's, I guess, with these changes being so effective versus Southampton being so ineffective, do you chalk this up to Lampard learning or that he doesn't know what his best team is or option C? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> no, I mean, clear, cl- clearly, I mean, this has been a season of learning. I And again, to go back to what I was saying earlier about the expectations game, I, I think if you said, Hey, you know, we're going to turn the year. We're going to solidly be in fourth place. Uh, I would be very, very impressed. Uh, you said that to me in August. I mean, I, w- I would assume we'd be in, I don't know where you guys were, but I would assume I would be in seventh, eighth because we're, we're kind of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, now I'm like, damn it, we got to be in fourth. <laughs> what are you talking about? We got to be, we got to make the Champions League. And so that's why today's uh, win was so big. Um, uh, but I, I, I do think this what makes this year so much fun is these young, this young team, this coach. You, I, I've been recruiting my friends who we root for other teams. I'm like, this is the, I, I, I get why people hated on Chelsea. I totally get it. Um, but right now we're like fun, <laughs> and we got, oh, yeah. we got we, and we have Pulisic and like, come on, guys, like we got it. And and it's uh, it, it's, it's 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 an inspirational thing versus you know this arrogant team who's got a lot of money. This is this is a fun team, and you get to watch them match by match. However, frustrating, particularly Southampton, uh, you know, uh, play it out. You, you get to watch them learn in real time, and, it, and it's and for the podcast, it's great content. But I mean, it's uh, it's just fun to watch. Content FC is what we should be. Um, okay, Mr. we are Good place. Look, um, <laughs> I, I had us in sixth, so uh, so shut up. Um, I, a quick note, really, uh, on on our kind of academy boys versus Arsenal's academy boys. They, they started with a handful themselves, and uh, you can make a strong argument for the you know maybe more than half in the match that Arsenal's academy were outshowing our our boys um, s- sometimes pretty significantly. Um, but you know, once Lamptey comes on, once Hudson Odoi comes on, once. Um, Mount kind of got his foothold in the game and Tammy obviously gets the winner like a boss. I mean, it's, it's why this team is so damn exciting is that we just have that extra level, Dan, and I'm, I'm just so proud of him. Yeah. Well, I would like to say, cause I, I agree with everything you said. I also want to show some respect to the veterans on the side as well. Uh, we have not talked a whole lot about William in this episode mm-hmm. and uh, we're running closer to the typical end of our time together. But two things that were called out. One, 
uh, was uh, just someone highlighted the fact that William covered the whole length of the pitch in the 87th minute to assist the winner to Tammy mm-hmm. uh, after playing 267 minutes in the last seven days, which credit to him for phenomenal conditioning and just being a presence over the entirety of that match and many matches this this week. And his overall stats, 85% pass accuracy, 34 passes completed, 65 touches, 7 key passes, 1 assist, 3 out of 3 long balls completed, 8 crosses, 4 accurate, 3 out of 4 dribbles, 6 out of 10 ground duel ones, and then over 20% of his passes that were completed were key passes, Brandon. It was, uh, you know, if you think Lillian wasn't impacting this match, uh, maybe you weren't watching the game the right way. It was hard because there's times he just let the ball roll out of bounds or... Yeah, he didn't look always interested. Which is... Like. Yeah, which is the part, right? Like the eye test to go with the stats. is like... And that's what get frustrating, you know, to James' point in the first half. He takes a really big touch on the Tammy non-foul and he takes a really big touch at the end of the match because he's tired, but he got there. And at the end of the day, you know, I even said Tammy... Went from a 4 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. because he scored. And it's the same thing with William. He may have been a 5 or a 6 out of 10 until he did the business, and now he's an 8 out of 10. Can I just say one more thing? This, yeah. this is James. I, this is my thing when I say I love William. And here's why I'm always going to love him, and I understand the stats, and actually the way you feel about his match today, I, I totally get. That last season under Mourinho, when Hazard stopped playing, Diego Costa stopped playing, Lillian busted his ass. And for that season, and I get where he was in the pecking order of things, I will forever be grateful. He did not, he never gave up. In fact, he upped his game in that horrible season. <laughs> he yeah. upped his game when everyone else gave up to, to, to sack Mourinho. And I, for that, I'm, like I said, I'm grateful. And, that, and that's his thing. I mean, he, he's consistent, whether it's at the level we need or not. You're going to get his best, and that's been proven by every year we have a shocking run of form. He ends up being player of the season. Yeah, I, can I, I would quickly say on, on William, like, I think what has been so compelling about him this season is, you know, obviously I think he's, he's having a, a, a good season by his standards, but I think the amount of trust that Lampard put in in him over, especially the last like two weeks, uh, you know, as a microcosm, you know, he's playing all these minutes. He clearly has a leadership role on the team. He clearly has a playmaking responsibility on the team, and and it hasn't always come off, but yeah. certainly did today. And that I think says a lot about how he is, you know, kind of in the pecking order of this group. I mean, he is. He's a senior player. He's been around. He's he's won damn near everything there is to win. Um, he didn't and, go to China. You know, didn't go to China. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, I, that's why I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I I would hope that you know as as we get players in in the team who are able to maybe spell him and you know others who have been uh, nailed on starters that a little bit of rest can even reinvigorate them um, because I, I feel like this team is getting pretty leggy right now. Tis the time of year for that. Uh, a lot of games and a lot uh, in a short window. Um, but we'll, we'll get into the, the what's coming next. But Dan, you did have a Dan of the match poll. Uh, what'd you do? Well, you know, uh, I thought there was one clear undisputed victor and it was Jorginho in my mind. And uh, the people agreed. 
72.2%. Tammy Abraham in second place with 16.7. William with 8.4. I left a write-in, and that got 2.7% of the vote. Uh, a couple individuals, uh, like our friend Chidge, saying that write-in was the clear winner, which I think just lost. Yeah, um, yeah it re- really lost the, th- the theme of what was going on here. <laughs> I also would have accepted... Uh, mount for bodying up on Genduzi and telling him to go get a haircut. <laughs> that would have been well worth a, a write-in vote. I uh, just didn't see it. So uh, if, if I missed that one, please let me know. We'll give you some additional credit in the next episode. Yeah, there there weren't a ton of options, if we're honest. <laughs> I mean, there were a bunch of guys out there who had, who had below average or even poor performances today. Um, but, I mean, the impact of Jorginho, Brandon, I mean, give me a break. I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah, run away. I mean, even with Abraham getting the goal, but Georgina get his tappity tap tap in there, it was hard to disagree. So the Premier League table after 20 game weeks, although Liverpool, uh, them and West Ham have a, a match to make up. So everyone else is on 20. Those two goons are on 19. Uh, Liverpool running away with it. The season is over 55 points. Uh, with a game in hand, Liver, or then you've got Leicester City still with a stronghold on second, 42 points. Manchester City, confidence booster this week uh, on 41 points. Chelsea, your fourth team, on 35 points. I would I would really appreciate us being closer to 40 points, but we'll, we'll take it. Uh, because then in fifth place is United on 31. Sixth is Tottenham Hotspur on 30. Then you've got Wolves. Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Everton, Ancelotti effect, up to 10th. Uh, Newcastle, Arsenal, down to 12th. Burnley, Brighton, Southampton, Bournemouth, West Ham. And in the relegation zone, John Terry's Villa, Watford, and Norwich City. That's the table. Yeah, this it's, it's tight, <laughs> I mean, to say the least. You have one, two, three, four teams... Uh, really within striking distance of Chelsea in, fifth, in fourth place right now. United's kind of on a bump. Spurs obviously had a terrible draw away to Norwich, um, but you would anticipate they're going to you know, do a little bit better in the second half of the season than they did in the first half. I, again, you, you reflect on some of these really bad losses that we've had, James, and those drop points that we've had, and you, know, you kind of do the math in your head, and we would be you know, over, we'd, we'd be in second place if we had kind of done our business, uh, in the appropriate way. But, um, this team is, is hopefully going to get a boost from this game and, and hopefully keep fighting. That, that's right. Uh, you know, on, on the one level, um, again, expectations wise, I did not think we would even be in this position and I would big pray that we make the champions league, uh, next season. So I'm happy where we're at in second. And this is where it gets awkward. Uh, because I work at the Boston Globe, you know, my, my the owners of the, my newspaper also own Liverpool. So I will point out that they are a very good team. And it's kind of obvious. So it's not like, not like a conflict of interest. <laughs> no, very, unfortunately, right now, you, you're just they're stating very, facts. Very, it's a very good team. It is what it is. All right. Well, look, revel and bask in it, Chelsea fans. Why else? Would you just want to soak it up and enjoy it? Uh, Dan, when's our next match? Our next match uh, is New Year's Day, bright and early. So uh, please don't party or party responsibly the night before so you can get up early, hang out with some friends, hopefully at your local pub. And uh, much like James might do at the the Banshee up there in Boston, where we love to go and visit when we're there. But 
ultimately, it's early. It's against Brighton. We just need maximum points, and we need to keep pushing forward to secure top four. 7.30 a.m. kickoff Eastern. Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, As our irresponsible Discord people were saying, just leave the bars open, which if you're on the West Coast, you're not that far off, honestly. Just stay up. There's nothing wrong with it. Like just party and party and party, James. I know that you're gonna you're gonna tie one. I am on, so boring. You know? I am so boring. <laughs> uh, is that because you visit Iowa, New Hampshire a lot? It's just I'm just a boring person. Yeah. <laughs> well, we loved having you. All right. Uh, we're super excited to be able to connect with you and bring on another voice, another perspective. So thank you for that. I gotta tell you, I uh, I was looking at my my calendar when you guys asked, and I mean, I've got Andrew Yang tomorrow. I've got Elizabeth Warren on Tuesday to interview. And then I'm off to like several states. This is the one thing I actually canceled events <laughs> for. I'm like, we are definitely doing this. I am oh, so wow. excited. Thank you. It's an honor to be on. Do Do you think that we have a shot in the primary now? Because <laughs> me, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know if we'll beat the qualification floor. It's uh, it's ramped up a little bit. I think it's going to put us out of well. Range. That's for the debates, but this is all about the grassroots, you know. So you that's got true. It. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, anyways, Chelsea fans, revel your faces off. It is the best thing that in two weeks, London is blue. We have demolished Tottenham and squeaked through Arsenal. <laughs> I'll just say it what it is. Uh, but look, they can't take it away from us. Only West Ham have that <laughs> on us. Oh. London is blue. Don't worry, Chelsea fans. So that's going to wrap us up. Get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, buy a scarf. Let us know what you thought we missed. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.